Good morning, good morning. By the way, this is sweet tea here. Um, cool story behind this sweet tea. Um, Katie Johnson's a student of ours at TBX. She goes to Blue Springs High School. Uh, and Katie was nominated for Blue Springs Homecoming Queen this past week. And she won, right? She won. So give Katie a round of applause. And I told Katie that I was gonna, I was gonna put in a word for her and that if she won, she'd have to bring me a sweet tea. And she did. So, um, there's that. But congratulations, Katie. Hey, if you're new, uh, visiting this morning, we're, we're, we're in the last week of our series, uh, called Purpose where we've been talking about what is the church and what is the purpose of the church. And what that means is that uh, it, uh, the, the, the church is you. And so all these things that we've been talking about, that is part of who you are. That is part of who God has called you to. That is part of your purpose, right? Evangelism, discipleship, worship, fellowship. And this morning we're going to be talking about service. Those are, the, 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 those are principles, things that God has called you to. That is part of the Christian life, is to walk in these things. Because Christianity is not the 30-minute lesson that the church presents it to be today. It's not that. It's a, it's a lifelong theme of obedience to what God has called us to, not a Sunday morning lesson. And so we're, like I said, we're finishing up this purposes series, talking about service this morning. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to be starting in verse 35. Mark 10, 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher... We want you to do for us whatever we ask you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. This is James and John, the disciples of Jesus. And they're on the way to Jerusalem and, uh, you know, it's said that, you know, this, you know, Jesus' ministry is coming to an end here. And they're headed to Jerusalem, Jesus and his 12 disciples. Um, and, and this is it's kind of this picture of like, if, you know, if James and John have their last chance to, to ask Jesus for something, it's like this, this, this is the opportunity here. You know, because if, if they're, they're headed to Jerusalem and they know that Jesus is going to die you know, in Jerusalem, they'd be raised in like this. This is the last chance to ask Jesus something here, and so they asked him, "Hey, Jesus, you know, hey, we we want you to do something for us." And Jesus is like, "Yeah, what's up?" And like, we want to sit when when you sit on David's throne and you rule Jerusalem forever. We want to sit on your right and your left hand and all of your glory. That's what they asked Jesus as they're walking to Jerusalem. Verse thirty-eight. Jesus says to them, you do not know what you are asking. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. What does that mean? I'm reading a book right now 
called The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And in it, Donald Whitney talks about, in, in his section where he's talking about service for the purpose of godliness, um, he talks about the Pony Express. And, and, and I want you to hear this. Because um, I'm going to tie it back into what we just read about. What is this cup? You know, what is this baptism that Jesus asked his disciples? Are, are, do you know what you're asking for? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And so listen to this. Donald Whitney says, The Pony Express was a private company that carried mail by an organized relay of horseback riders. The eastern end was St. Joseph, Missouri, and the western terminal was Sacramento, California. If the horses held out, the weather and the Indians and the harshness of the ride... That trip would be complete. That, that trip is two thousand mile journey, and it would be they, they would complete in eight to ten days. So from St. Joseph to Sacramento, California, they used to take mail, the Pony Express, horseback rider, right? If everything went their way, it would take them eight to ten days to get from St. Joseph to Sacramento, California. You were expected to cover seventy five to one hundred miles a day, riding a hard day and night changing horses every 10 to 15 miles. Other than the mail, you carried little else besides a revolver and a knife. In order to travel light and to increase speed and mobility during the Indian attacks, the men rode in shirtless sleeves whenever possible, sometimes even during the fierce winter weather. And then he goes on to ask this question, how would you recruit volunteers for this hazardous job? Right? How would you recruit somebody to come and work for the Pony Express where your, your job is to get on a horse and go from St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California, delivering mail? Delivering mail. Where you're battling weather, Indian attacks, exhaustion, whatever it is, anything that comes up. How would you recruit for that job? Bolivar Roberts, who, who was a superintendent for the western end of the Pony Express, uh, put out an ad in March 1960 that said this. As he, he was, you know, that's why I asked the question, how would you recruit for this job? This is the ad that the superintendent put it out, looking for riders to come join the Pony Express. The ad says this, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18, must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. How about the honesty of that ad? You know, this, here it is. Here it is. And that's the, that, that, that's the thing about service. Is we ought to have a little more honesty about what it takes to serve God. Because look what Jesus, back to the passage. What does Jesus say? You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink from? Are you able to be baptized in the baptism in which I was baptized by? Are you able... Do you know what you're asking? 
That cup is a cup of suffering. That's his crucifixion. His torment. And so he asked James and John, are you able to drink that suffering? Are you, are you ready for this? Are you ready to be baptized with a baptism which I was baptized with? Are you ready for that? Because that's my death in which God's wrath was poured over me. Are you ready for that? Because that's the thing about service. It's just, just like the Pony Express. Service is going to cost you something. It's dangerous. It's sacrificial. You have to be committed. Who in their right mind will go work for the Pony Express and not be committed? Where you're going to get in 500 miles into this trip and be like, ah, no, I'm out. I don't, this, is, this ain't for me. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to be committed. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to get outside your comfort zone. You're going to get attacked. Because I can, I can tell you this, service is not your convenience. That's not service. If it doesn't cost you something, if it ain't sacrificial, it ain't service. It's your own glory. If it's only on your time, if it doesn't cost you anything, it's for your glory. Verse 40, let's back up to 39. And they said to him, this is their response, we are able. We are able, Jesus. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And Jesus says, you know, James and John tell Jesus, hey, we're able And Jesus goes, okay, Jesus knows. And Jesus is like, you will drink this cup of suffering. And you will be baptized with the baptism which I'm baptized with. Because if you know the ending of James and John's life, you know that James is is put to death by the sword by King Herod. And you know that John was exiled to to the uh, island of Patmos and spent the rest of his life there. And so when Jesus says, you'll drink this cup, you'll experience this suffering. They're like, we are able. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but is for those whom it has been prepared, verse 41. And when the ten heard it, when the rest of the disciples heard it, they began to know, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called to him and said to them, it's like, you know, the rest of the disciples are kind of, you know, annoyed at what, you know, what these two had just asked Jesus. A little, maybe a little bit of jealousy. Maybe a little bit thinking, ah, that's a little unfair. Hey, I want to ask that. Hey, I want to sit there. You know, so Jesus has this, this group meeting. He calls them all in before they get to Jerusalem. And he says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever be first among you must be a slave of all. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because James and John, they had this picture of, hey, when Christ comes back to sit on the throne and rule over Jerusalem, I'm going to sit on the right. Hey, you got the left, and we're going to sit in this place of honor, you know, and, and Jesus' glory. Yeah, that sounds good. They got this perception, this, this false imagery about what, what, what Jesus' reign is going to look like. And Jesus is like, hey, hold up, cats. Here, here, here's the person who has real authority. Here's the person who has real greatness. It's the one who chooses to be a slave to everybody else. So Jesus pulls him into this circle. Come on, disciples, let me tell you something. Here's a nugget for the day. If you want to be great, if you want to be first, You must be last. You must be a slave, a servant to all. Why? Verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom. A ransom is, you know, for, for a prisoner to be released because there's a, there's a payment that's demanded. Jesus was the payment so that you could be released. Jesus came to serve you, came to earth to serve you, to set you free. You were the prisoner. He is the ransom. And that's why it says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And gave his life as a ransom for all. Gave his life. Service is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's sacrificial. It requires something. It puts you in a vulnerable place. R. Kent Hughes says this. Ministering hearts are disciplined to labor, for they regularly move beyond their comfort zones. They put themselves in vulnerable spots. They make commitments which cost. They get tired for Christ's sake. They pay the price. They encounter rough seas, but hear this. But their sails billow full of God's spirit. Their sails billow full of God's spirit. Yes, is it difficult? Yes. Does it cost you? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. But Christ was the ransom. But their sails billow full of God's spirit. It's rewarding. Don't you think the things that Christ endured on his way to the cross, don't you think when, when, when he accomplished what the Father set out for him to accomplish and you will, will, will get to spend fellowship in eternity with Jesus Christ, don't you think he's sitting up in heaven next to the Father going, yeah, that's worth it. Don't you think his sails are billow full of God's spirit? Did it cost him? Yeah. Yeah, he was a ransom. But rewarding. See, service is glorifying to God. You serve with the purpose of godliness, being obedient to to what God has asked you to do with your life. And it's service is glorifying to God. What Jesus endured, 
the servant leadership, the servant life that he walked out was glorifying the Father because it's what the Father asked of him. And that's our purpose at Gateway Church, to glorify the Father, which means we have to be obedient to serving one another and serving the Father. And being okay with, I'm tired for Christ's sake. I'm uncomfortable for his sake. I had to sacrifice a lot for this week for his sake. We got to be okay with that. This stretches me. Okay. It's supposed to. What about Jesus' life as a ransom was was safe. Now there's a difference between being out of rhythm with God and it service costing you something. There's a difference there. I'm not saying we, we, we run rampant, fill our schedules. We're here, we're there. You know, we think we got to be, our hands got to be in everything. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that service will cost you. The reason why we have empty spots still available for serve week is probably that very reason. Because going and being a part of one of those opportunities to serve the community and be obedient to what God has asked of us is going to cost you something that you don't want to give up. That's the truth. It would cost you something that you don't want to give up, something that you already planned. Service is costly. There's no reason. There's no reason why we can't have those, have those service projects filled up. To not serve is to not fully understand the weight of the gospel on your life. It's not understanding that Jesus was the ransom, not in just some historical book, but was the ransom for your eternity, your life. He came to serve us. And so to understand that is to then go serve other people because the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom. And it's glorifying to God, right? That's how over our, our umbrella at Gateway Church, we want to see God's renown. We want to see his glory spread into our community. We want to see his glory right here in our midst. We want to hear testimonies of his glory. service to glorify God and to witness and be a part of his glory because I share you know a personal example of that this this past couple weeks my my wife and I we've had uh, everybody in our house has been sick both our cars went out our in-laws were in town um, and and it, it was one heck of a week one heck of a week and there were several of you, not because I called anybody, not because anybody called anybody, but several of you who came on our defense and served us. And I remember, you know, Honda Bob, I was coming home from the high school, coming home from high school football practice, and, and I noticed Honda Bob was driving in front of me to my house. 
And he just kept going, I, you know, because he lives close by. I figured he would go to his house, but he, he kept going to my house, and he pulled up to my driveway, and so I pulled up next to him, and he gets out, and he opens up the bed of his truck, and he's got groceries in the bed of his truck, and he says, hey, I was just praying. I was at the grocery store asking God who I was supposed to get groceries for, and so I brought you groceries. Little did Honda Bob know that before I left the house to go to the high school, my wife asked me, hey, we desperately need groceries. There's nothing in here. We got to feed the kids. We got throw up babies, diarrhea babies. We got one car is gone and we're a mess. And that's what she had just told me before I left for the high school. And when I come back, Hannah Bob's sitting in my driveway with a bed full of truck. 30 minutes later, Leslie Fuller comes over with a car full. You know, and my wife and I just sat there and just was just like, God, you are good. You're good. You know, because their service to us, just because they were sensitive to what God was asking them to do in that moment, it, 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 it made Kat and I stand in our living room and glorify God. It's service is glorifying to God. And so we need to be obedient to what he's asking of us. Flip to Galatians. Chapter 5. Service is glorifying the God. It's also unifying amongst us. Verse 13, Galatians 5, 13 says, For you were called to freedom. You were called to freedom, brothers. Because at this time where Paul is writing to the Galatians and um, they're, they're, some false teachers had come into the church there in Galatia. And they were teaching in the church that in order for you to be justified, in order for you to have salvation, you had to be circumcised. They were relying on the Old Testament law. It was a, it was a gospel contrary to what Paul had been teaching that we're saved by grace. And so there's this division, there's this argument happening. So Paul's writing to Galatia going, hey, guys, what are you doing? That ain't the gospel. Don't get tripped up by that. Don't believe that. You know, stop, stop arguing with one another over this, over this gospel contrary to what Jesus modeled for us and taught. And so in verse 13, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what my wife and I experienced this week. Uh, people love it on us like they love themselves. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But through love, serve one another. 
and watch out if you choose to bite and devour one another. Watch out that you might that that that, that, that you're going to be consumed by others. You know, it, it's no secret. You're on, you, if you're on any social media platform, you turn on the news, you know the division going on right now with Colin Kaepernick and, and Nike and all. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a political mess. It's a mess. You, you, if, you, if you get on Facebook, it's like, man, the, the, the verbal abuse and, and the storm that this caused in our country, that's a, that's a real, real clear picture. If you bite and devour one another, watch out. Watch out that you are not consumed by it, that you're not consumed by one another. Because here's what happens. When we forget that Jesus Christ was a ransom for us, that he came to serve us, and that then he says, you know, Paul says, in our freedom, because Christ has paid for our freedom, in our freedom we're to, through love, serve one another. When we forget that, when we forget that, that's when we get engaged in what you see happening right now. Because instead of getting caught up in the, you know, getting entangled in worldly pursuits, getting entangled in this garbage, what would it look like instead for you this week to go serve somebody of a different race because you understand that Jesus was the ransom for you? What would it look like for you to go take groceries to somebody else this week? What would it look like for you to mow somebody else's yard this week? What would it look like? I was talking to Dan Brown this morning. I didn't know this. Dan Brown has been setting these chairs up for 13 years. 13 years Dan Brown's been setting these chairs up. Instead of getting caught up and devouring one another, why don't we just choose to, through love, serve one another? What if it means you come help Dan Brown set up the chairs in the morning? Yeah, it'll cost you something. It'll require you to commit. Service is unifying. Unification. That is, that, that is the gospel. Christ came and gave his life as a ransom so that we would all be unified as the church in one spirit, professing our faith in who he is. That's what service does for us. And this week, as we go serve other people, we get to live out the first purpose we talked about in this series, evangelism. What an opportunity for you to share your faith with somebody else. What an opportunity. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I just want to read this quote to you again that I read earlier as we prepare to worship. It says, ministering hearts are disciplined to labor. 
a heart that is living out what God has for them is, is somebody who is engaged in service, engaged in labor for other people, is not consumed with themselves, doesn't get caught up in the worldly pursuits, but is engaged in labor with other people. For they regularly move beyond their comfort zones. They put themselves in vulnerable spots. They make commitments which cost. They get tired for Christ's sake. They pay the price. They encounter rough seas. But their sails billow full of God's spirit. They're full. Ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing now, am I full? Can I say that my sails billow full of God's spirit? And we have the opportunity to live that out this week. To be the light for widows, for those who are oppressed, for those who are hungry, for those who are needy, to do justice by serving them. Let's pray. God, we thank you that uh, you came to serve us. You didn't come for yourself. And that's the odd thing for us, God, to wrap our minds around. Because, God, I know I think about myself way too much. Way too much. Things become about me and it's not. It's not about me, God. It's not about any of us. It's about you. And how you came to serve us. You gave your life as a ransom and then asked us through love to go serve other people because we're motivated by you. And God, you say our billows, our sails billow with your spirit, that we have full, that that we just, our, our spirits are renewed, that we soar on wings like eagles. This picture of strength, yes, it costs us. Yes, it costs us. but it costs your son too. And we're compelled by the cross. God, move in us. Move in us. Let your word this morning pierce us to be obedient to what you've asked of us. Because we want obedience to be a lifelong theme of ours. We thank you for who you are and what you've done.